Hi folks, my name is Fiona Huang and I am a fourth year kinesiology student at the University of Toronto. I identify as a cisgender woman born and raised in the Northwest Territories and of East Asian descent. Today we are going to talk about the theme of bias and voice from week two of KPE 400. To start off, I want to point out that everyone has bias and in my understanding of what bias is, it is a weighing in favor or against something or some idea that is out of proportion, usually influenced by being narrow-minded and unfair. Within my recent participation with the ongoing OUA anti-racism project, our lab research team has noticed disparities that are present in leadership positions within sports settings in Ontario. There's a lack of representation of racialized or BIPOC, also known as Black, Indigenous, People of Color groups in coaching and sport administrative roles. Disparities like this don't just happen in sports settings. In the course module, I was informed that in 2016, the percentage of women representing cardiac surgeons in all of Canada is 9.4%, which is pretty low. And this highlights the gender disparities in healthcare settings as another example. We may ask, why do these inequities persist? Well, it's very likely that it's due to biases. An understanding of why change is so hard to come by and how recognizing and becoming aware of biases is such a difficult task lies within the historical colonial systems set in place that still exist today. Colonialism occurs when one country takes over other lands, regions, or territories outside of its borders and turns those places into their colony. Usually, colonialism occurred in very violent and inhumane ways, and historically European colonialization happened in Canada, and various parts of Canada were colonies to European countries. Therefore, it is very important for us to look at situations socially, politically, and historically. Our understanding can be advanced significantly if we identify how oppressions such as sexism, racism, and ableism operate in our everyday settings such as in sport or healthcare spaces. In a journal article by Dr. Janelle Joseph and Dr. Deborah Krieger, it was highlighted that kinesiology programs are structured through the historical colonial systems mentioned earlier based on masculine white ideals which become what we consider as normal within our kinesiology programs. In this understanding of health, interventions seem to encourage all people, regardless of what their gender, race, or other aspects of their identity is, to work towards that masculine white ideal as a common goal. This is a self-contradictory idea, as although healthcare is encouraged and is supposed to be desired and accessible to all people, it also works to exclude those belonging to marginalized groups that do not fit within the norm, such as women, IPOC groups, or LGBTQ plus community. Looking specifically at the U of T KIN program, I am very grateful that our program requires the completion of physical cultural courses, and to be quite honest, I never really thought these courses to be my cup of tea before taking them, and I always considered myself to be a very much a science, physiological person so at first I was really disinterested at the thought of even taking these courses however upon taking these courses especially this year I realized although these courses are classified in a specific physical culture or a category the themes taught about colonialization and other relevant themes like intersectionality that I'll talk about later are very applicable to all aspects of kinesiology and you know taking these physical cultural courses have allowed me to become woke I think that those topics should be taught and incorporated in all kinesiology courses, even in kinesiology courses like physiology, which we identify as more of like a science course. I think the U of T Kim program should move towards an ethics model which acknowledge colonialization and recognize that eurocentric kinesiology practices can negatively affect marginalized groups, especially those that identify as women, LGBTQ+, BIPOC, and so on. So Dr. Joseph and Dr. Krieger developed the model called the Decolonizing Kinesiology 
kinesiology ethics model and i think that this ethics model which has the components of social justice practitioner vulnerability context and relationships along with other principles of the four principles approach by Beauchamp and Childress, autonomy, beneficence, and non-maleficence should definitely be used. In this week's webinar, our guest lecturer, Kika Ojo-Thompson, had a video about equity and defined equity as the elimination of disproportionality and disparity. In her video, she goes on to talk about the importance of collecting and analyzing data in our decision-making and program planning process and to recognize how important it is to divide data into subcategories based on identity, such as race, sexual orientation, gender, socioeconomic status, ability, and so on. This type of data is done within the OUA Anti-Racism Project, as we are currently coding interviews and focus groups that we conducted last month to discover common barriers within identity groups. This will be informative as identifying barriers direct us to those specific identity groups and allows us to ask them about their experience. We can ask questions such as, how did they feel? What needs to be changed? And what was done that was wrong? Asking these questions will allow us to make changes within the OUA program that is reflective of all parts of the community. I feel that this type of data needs to be collected within KIM programs as well, as if we had this demographic data within KIM programs, we can direct attention to what work is required for change. Another thing Kika mentioned to consider with data collection is powerful unexamined ideas. This concept is defined as the beliefs we have about groups without knowing or understanding where those beliefs originated or come from. These ideas are normalized and become stereotypes that we associate with particular groups, and they are not at all grounded by any evidence, they are not data-driven, and they are not logical. But what they do allow for is for people in power to play the blame game and direct attention to marginalized groups themselves, blaming them for not being ready for change. Equity is not achieved with powerful and unexamined ideas. In order for systems of oppression to be dismantled, powerful unexamined ideas also need to be dismantled. One thing Kika mentioned that resonated with me was how the most common thing she would hear from her colleagues is that, well, I don't see color, I don't see race. And you know, this resonated with me because I've also heard the same type of quote from many of my peers. And you know, I know deep down that my friends are genuine and pure people with good intentions, but there are outcome data that suggests otherwise. You know, there have been reports of discrimination due to ethnicity, color, race, color of skin, and there are huge disparities and disproportionalities that occur due to color as we've talked about before. And you know, there's this colorblind ideology that dominates society today and allows whiteness to work as an invisible norm. So in reality, we do see race, we do see color, and you know, these differences are highlighted in society. And as a racialized individual myself, and I can say that it's not that I don't want people to, to not see my difference. And I just think that we need to disrupt the meanings that those differences have had on my personal experiences of oppression due to my identity of being racialized. So the goal is not to neglect or say that color is invisible, but to challenge those ideas that marginalize groups. I strongly believe that an intersectional approach to achieving equity is so important. And being a part of the BIPOC Varsity Association this year has taught me that, you know, this equity work is very tiring and exhausting, and it usually falls on the shoulders of BIPOC and marginalized folks, but with an intersectional approach, perhaps we can all work together towards achieving equity. My understanding of intersectionality, it is a recognition of how identities are dynamic and formed by many, many aspects. The experiences of privilege and oppression of one person will differ a lot than another person depending on the current and historical context they live in. So for example, as I identify as a cisgender, middle class woman of East Asian descent, the ways that I experience racism or discrimination will be very different than say someone who is a cisgender, white, middle class man. Equity is required in many settings we encounter daily and oppressive practices such as 
as racism and ableism operate beyond just sport and kinesiology settings. Dr. Joseph and Dr. Krieger conclude that the DCAM can serve as a foundation to shift kin to be more equitable for all. I feel that beyond looking at just kin in sports, DCAM can be modified to fit within other professions because disparities exist all around us. Using an intersectional approach, I strongly believe that to combat one form of oppression, all forms must be combated together, as this holds true for all environments and professions we all experience daily. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you on the next one, folks.